Assalamu alaikum, brothers and sisters. Welcome to another episode of the Ark of Thoughts podcast. Today's episode, we're talking about climate change and sustainability. Uh, and it's an interesting episode, Kasim, this week. Because, especially at the moment, I think there's lots of impacts that we're seeing around the world already. Um, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen major news of breakout fires that have occurred in Turkey, um, of fires that have occurred in Algeria. Um, now, with the Algerian one, I'm a bit, for now, in the, in the on the day of recording, we're a bit skeptical on that one. Um, because as far as I understand, the Algerian government is considering arson attacks to be the reason for the fires in Algeria. Um, but as far as I'm aware, Turkey has very explicitly stated that there are environmental reasons at play for the fires that have occurred there. And I think before we actually get into the conversation for today, firstly, we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those people who have passed away in these fires that we know of, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants them a lasting status in Jannah. Mm. Uh, their families that they left behind, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants them sabr. Mm. Uh, the livelihoods of people that have been destroyed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants them from his unlimited treasures. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of the mental and the physical and the well-being of the people that have been affected all around the world. But you see, this is a an incident that has taken place recently, but changes that have been occurring around the world, they're not something new, Kasim. No. You know, in the last over a hundred years, there have been wide ranging changes that have been that have taken place um, in the environment, in the climate, um, in the world, in the natural world that's around us. And it's very important that we acknowledge these changes. I mean we've talked about this before. Um, but the acknowledgement of changes within the world is the first step in having an understanding of what's happening and also in implementing some sort of change in our life. What we don't know, we can't act upon. What we don't understand, we can't act upon. And although this, this particular topic of climate change and sustainability is something that's talked about very widely, is my personal opinion that sometimes we don't give it as much thought, um, we don't give it as much attention as we need to. And I think the main reason for this, Kasim, is we have an understanding that it's not going to affect our lives. Or we that's, have this. Well, that's what we think anyway. Yeah. We, we, we think naively that it's not going to affect our lives and we're going to live a life within a world exactly how we are living today. That's how the world is going to be for the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 50 years, and 100 years. When in fact, this couldn't be further from the truth. Okay, um, Like we mentioned, we're already seeing mass changes taking place. And the important point that we want to drive home is the world that we live in, our home, okay, it's not limitless. And ultimately, it's bound by the finite nature that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created in this world naturally. But, like we said, Changes to this world and imbalances to this world is a means and an avenue that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may utilize. But we need to understand that that doesn't mean that consequences are not upon our own actions. We can't turn around and say, okay, we can't be fatalist people, you know. Um, and I know this is going into matters of Akira and it's not something that we want to we want to go into. But generally our understanding of fate is that everything good and bad is in the hands of Allah. But that doesn't mean that we don't have free will to our actions. 
that doesn't mean that our actions they don't have consequences um, and this is something on a global scale which has huge consequences for our lives and in the, of the of the lives um, of our future generations so what we want to get into in this episode is one section we'll, we want to talk about like you know what's what's happened yeah. in the last 50 years or the last 100 years uh, the second section that we want to talk about is more like our own personal experiences like you know what have we observed what have we seen um, what have been those things that we we've witnessed with our own two eyes um, that are changing and I'm sure that not only do we have experiences but many of the viewers that will be listening you'll have your own experiences as well and you know if we ponder and think about our own experiences these are generally huge motivators more than the speech of others our own experiences are huge motivators and finally we want to talk about you know what are the changes that are expected to happen in the near future and what can we do and you know we're not talking about small changes which are going to occur if we continue on the path that we're on in the next 10 years 20 years but large changes heavy changes um huge changes that will affect not just how we live on on an individual level but how we will all have to live on a on a global level um and what can we do to try and help um slow down the process of climate change how can we live in a manner which is going to be more sustainable for the environment and i want to caveat this with you know we're not experts um we're not claiming to be experts here as well but i think what we're trying to do here is try to raise some awareness about the issue and the gravity of the issue that we're talking about today um so let's get started inshallah um so kasim global warming and temperature you know what what are your thoughts about it? What do you know about it um, from your from your understanding? So global warming and the rise of temperature inside the world, just in the past hundred years, has been RRA, which has never been before, and that's due to how do we say globalization, mm-hmm. the use, uh, sorry, the advancements in technology, the advancements in transport, the fact that people have access to different resources, but the fact that we are living in a world now where we're using such things where we don't even understand where our resources are coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is like a huge part of the problem is the fact that we are using, how do we say, resources which are finite, which are not going to be there forever. And they are running out at a quick, quick pace. And we have not, unfortunately, we've not found any alternatives, you know. And we have people in the world, you know, even as Muslims, we even praise, even non-Muslims who are doing good work, for example, bring up a very controversial character, but Leon, Le- uh, Leon Musk? Elon Musk. Elon Musk. <laughs> Sorry, bring up yeah, Elon Musk. You know, he's trying to make this world a, a much more sustainable place, for example. I'm not saying you go out and buy a Tesla and you have an electric car, but he's trying to find alternatives. He's trying to make the world a better place for him to live in and for his children to live in. And this is something that we have to recognize that even from non-Muslims, something like that, have this sort of worry and this sort of concern that the world that we're living in is not going to be here forever. And the way that we're going, we're actually destroying the planet as we know it. Mm. I think just to just to quote some numbers here as well, because I think numbers and data are an important source of information for us. And they give us an understanding of, you know, um, the gravity of the situation. And one of the things that we need to sort of bear in mind is the average temperature in the last 10,000 years has not fluctuated by plus or one plus or minus one degree globally okay um, now it's under, it's important that we understand averages and if you 
have a very loose understanding of how averages work, I really recommend that this is a, a topic that you know you look into or just just do a quick research into. But when we're talking about average temperatures, we're talking about you know, I mean, I don't want to use the word average to define average, but <laughs> you can have so you know when you're talking about the the average temperature of the world, you could probably as an estimate you could get average that the average temperature of the world is between 20 to 25 degrees but we notice that there'll be huge outliers to that you know in the north pole and the south pole during the winter the temperature will get to minus 40 degrees minus 50 degrees and we're talking celsius here um whereas in the sahara desert it's getting to 50 degrees um in the searing heat we know that when we've been to india pakistan then temperatures there can get to 40 degrees 50 degrees as well you know so when we're talking about the average temperature being approximately 20 degrees or whatever it may be, um, this is a figure that I'm not 100% sure on, but the the extremes can be very far from the average. And this is something that we have to understand that although the average, we say in the last 10,000 years, hasn't fluctuated by, um, by plus or minus one degree, in the last 100 years, it's begun to shift. And that average temperature has now begun to move up. In the last 100 years across the entire globe, which we know that is huge, the average temperature has increased by one degree and it's expected to increase at an exponential rate um, which is scary to say the least this is an indication Kasim that the earth is starting to lose its balance and the two buzzwords that we really want everybody to take away from this this podcast here today is balance and sustainability where balance is broken it causes issues where we are using substances which are finite that is unsustainable and again that is going to cause issues now the world Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created a very very complex system you know the system of the world is very complex and minor changes can be detrimental to the balance of that world you know we can talk about the ocean for example in the ocean we have phytoplankton which are very very small small creatures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created which are in the millions and the billions okay a reduction in the numbers of the phytoplankton will have huge, huge impacts upon the entire food chain. Okay, um, and on the other side, those animals which are rare in nature tend to be predators and carnivores. You know, so if you look at sharks, okay, we all know sharks, and we're all quite scared of sharks. Yeah, if someone sees a shark, naturally, because they're predators. And the natural world is such that those things which are predators tend to be in a in a smaller number. Sorry. And those things which are prey tend to be in a larger number. That's the way the world normally works. And reductions in sharks will have huge consequences and has had huge consequences in the oceans as well to such a degree where you'd think that if there's less predators, there'll be more prey and there'll be more of the other fish. When in fact, it's turned out the other way. Where there's been a reduction in sharks because of people um, killing and fishing sharks uh, for sale, for profit, it has also reducted it has also resulted in imbalances in terms of the prey as well which is really scary to think about but this is the thing like you know the world has settled into a reliable rhythm and we know them as the seasons yeah. but these seasons are now changing Kasim, yeah. and we know that we observe that you know yeah. where we used to know okay between these months is going to snow i remember i've seen i've seen snow in march and april which when we were kids was ridiculous to think about. Two years ago it was in June. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is, this is what we're talking about in the, in the north of England. And that's what we observe. 
but I'm sure there will be viewers that may be watching from other parts of the UK, will be watching from other parts of the globe, you know. Um, I mean, in London, we had like flash floods that took place, you know, two, three weeks ago. Two, three weeks ago. Yeah. In Germany, again, there was Lush, flash flooding yeah. that resulted in people dying as well. You know, the fire nados, like... In, in parts of Eastern Europe? Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in America mainly. But five years ago, who knew what a fire nado was? You know, the fire nado is like a new terminology that has all of a sudden appeared, which is crazy to think about. And just to make it more clear for the viewers, like we mentioned all these sort of events which happen, these sort of freak events. Why are they happening? I think like a viewer is like, he's sitting there and like, okay, I don't really understand. We just want to explain in a, like a very simple manner. I think the simple, the simple result is a change in the balance of the world. And generally one of the factors, one of the main factors that they put down to climate change, uh, the scientists put down to climate change is a change in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And I don't want to get too technical, I don't want to get too sciencey because I appreciate not everybody understands or not everybody follows and not everybody needs to follow necessarily. But I think the quoted figures are around the 1940s, there were approximately 280 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Let's not get too bogged down in the numbers, but currently the projected carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is 412 parts per million. But what I want to demonstrate is the them two numbers don't matter necessarily unless we're talking about the percentage increase. The percentage increase of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere using those figures is 47%. Increase? Increase. Okay. Okay. So there's approximately 50% more, more carbon dioxide which exists in the atmosphere. Now to put that into context, there have been in, in the Earth's history, by looking at the way rock formations have occurred, there have been approximately five mass extinctions which have occurred. The common factor amongst every single mass extinction which has occurred, the last one being when the dinosaurs were wiped out, was a change in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Okay, Because what, what happens is the, the carbon dioxide which, which enters into the atmosphere destroys the ozone layer, which essentially is like a, it's like a blanket for the Earth. And what's happening is the Earth, from the sun's rays, which normally would escape out from the earth is now being held inside of the earth which is raising the temperatures and one of the one of the changes which which occurs from that um, is the changing of the ice caps in the north and the south pole um, changing from ice into water okay um, that's so you're saying because of this heat not escaping the atmosphere yeah I mean <coughs> that's a, essentially the heat is staying inside yeah. of our how do you say inside of uh, the earth yeah and this is what's causing the ice cap in the north and south pole to melt yeah essentially that's what you're saying um I yeah and I think obviously this is an over oversimplification Kasim, because co2 is one of the the major causes but there are other other things as well like we're talking about increasing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere by um, man-made design which we're talking about the burning of fossil fuels Stuff like coal, gas, these things, when they burn, they release carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. But at the same time, we're also talking about trees and the destruction of trees. Okay. Okay. Um, because to get a bit sciencey again, but the way that we breathe, we take oxygen from the air and we release carbon dioxide. Okay. Trees breathe in the uh, in the alternate manner. They essentially take carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. They store the carbon dioxide and they release oxygen into the atmosphere. So trees are big friends for us. 
But the problem is, is that around the world, many countries or many people have unfortunately seen trees as a hindrance to their way of life and they've decided to destroy them. So one of the most famous places for trees that we know is the Amazon rainforest. Okay, And the Amazon rainforest is ridiculous, but within the next... Um, we'll, get, we'll get to this because the notes are a bit further down. But within, as far as I'm, if I remember, within the next 20 or 30 years, the Amazon rainforest is projected to be finished. finished. To be no trees left in the Amazon rainforest. Okay? Deforestation has become huge. Many countries around the world don't value the trees that are there. And the reason being is simply for profit. You know, um, many Far Eastern countries would prefer to destroy their rainforests and plant palm trees, which basically just forms uniform rows of palm trees. And someone might turn around and say that, oh, palm tree is a tree at the end of the day. But the problem is that it's destroying valuable habitats of animals that are living, different, different species and different animals and plants are around which create an envir entire environment and ecosystem. All of this is being destroyed in the hope of planting, for example, just palm trees, which are harvested eventually for their oils um, and sold. Now, like I said, this is having huge impact because when you take them trees down, all that valuable oxygen that was being released by them and the carbon dioxide that they were taking up is that process is no longer taking yeah. place so whilst we are also pumping carbon dioxide into the atmosphere we're destroying the earth's natural way of removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere so we're creating an imbalance yeah. yeah and we're doing it twofold we're not just doing it one way yeah and many will argue many will turn around and say and this is generally argument of um um stupid people like donald trump right that stupid that's a nice way to describe him but yeah yeah that uh climate change is something which is not occurring and is not a problem and one of the reasons i cited for it is if climate change was occurring why is it only taking place now um when the industrial revolution happened more than 100 years ago um and the answer to that question is quite simple that up until now the earth has been absorbing and trying to reset the balance to the best of its abilities the oceans have been trying to absorb the heat as best as possible. The trees have been working as best as possible to absorb the extra CO2. But it's now come to a point, we are now at a point where essentially the human race has a decision to make. Okay, We as a human race have a decision to make. That do we continue down this path where at this point in time, things are still, are still reversible. We can still make changes within our life at a global level, at an individual level, um, where we can try to revert the earth back and provide more balance. And it's still possible at this point. But so within a few years... So you're saying we still have the possibility of living a more sustainable life? Yeah. If we make changes now? Yeah. Um, whereas we are coming very close to a point, and that point is years away, a matter of a few years, not decades, not So you're saying the next years. five, ten years? Yeah. Where we will cross a point where it will no longer be possible to bring back the earth or to make changes in our human, on our individual level and global level, to make changes to bring the earth back into balance. Because the earth will then, the natural course will just be a spiral effect. And make no mistake that what we're seeing now will, is only going to get worse if we continue. Okay? Um, so, for example, these sort of changes, are they required from us on an individual level or from like you say a government level from a sort of nation level worldwide level how do you reckon these changes can come about i think 
the way that I see it, Kasim, is the biggest changes and the, the changes which have will have the largest effect and the largest impact has to take place on a global level at a government level. No doubt about it. You know, we can't kid ourselves and turn around and say that me and you, um, sat in our backyard, sat in our home, are going to have huge changes. Yeah, we acknowledge and we accept that it's good. It's going to be at a global level, but it requires awareness from individuals. You see, any movement of goodness, um, any movement which is a source of benefit for mankind, starts at individual level. Yeah. It doesn't start at government level. You know, um, governments have priorities elsewhere. Businesses and companies have priorities elsewhere, yep. um, and yeah, I think this is what we have to appreciate. Um, so, I think let's let's continue. In terms of going about some of the changes that we're going to mention, we'll get to them um, towards the end, inshallah. But I think we want the second section that we just wanted to talk about very quickly was like some of our own experiences. So, what have we seen? What have you seen, Kasim? Where you realize that there are changes in the environment around you that you notice the world's changing essentially. Okay, so in terms of uh, natural changes, I'll be honest, I've not been to many places where I've seen natural changes in terms mm -hmm. of habitats being destroyed, or for example, a natural resources not being there anymore. But in terms of just uh, living uh, in different places, uh, again, Egypt was one of the worst, it's one of the most busiest cities in the world, Cairo, <coughs> but it's one of the most polluted places as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, one thing which I saw which really, which really saddened me was the disregard for human, uh, sorry, not human life, uh, human life, that's a different topic, but for animal life. Mm -hmm. So in Cairo, there's huge amounts of pollution, huge okay. amounts of pollution. And I mean, like in the streets, in the been to Cairo, it's like there's just rubbish everywhere. Mm -hmm. What happens because of the a lot, lot, large amount of rubbish, you just see a lot of cats and dogs walking around. Mm -hmm. Normal and a lot of people say the reason for the extra amount of cats and dogs is because of the pollution because they come eat the rubbish and all the food and stuff like that. So I remember I was walking, uh, I was walking to the shop, and on the side of the road, there was like I think three, four kittens. Like, look, we got your cat Noor here, you know. Mm -hmm. And you know, every time we come around, no, we love this cat, you know, it just brings us joy, you know. This is one thing as a Muslim as well that you know, we have love for animals and uh, we respect them, you know, we treat them well. I just remember seeing kittens on the side of the road. And uh, I think they'd eaten some sort of rubbish, choked on it, and they just they, they had just died. I remember I walked on, on that path again, uh, two three days later, and these kittens were still left there, and there were flies all around them, and had a really bad smell. Then another day later, somebody put something on top of them, and just left them. It's just a huge huge amount of pollution in the air. The fact that there were just like buses and cars and you know uh, how do you say uh, tuk tuks mm -hmm. everywhere. It even becomes hard to breathe in this part of Cairo, you know, yeah. and like even Cairo now, like if you, if you go to the hospitals and stuff, there's a lot of people who have like, <coughs> so how do I say that the rates of, for example, uh, cancer or diseases which the body, you know, have shut up in the, mass, uh, in the past, how do you say, 40, 50 years. Yeah. A lot of the doctors are saying it's just because of the life that we're living, the fact of the pollution in, inside of Cairo, you know, and they said the only way to change is to change our life, to become more sustainable, you know, and those are things that I've seen, I've seen in the natural thing, maybe like you, but that was something that I seen on like in the civilization level, which you know, mm -hmm. which was very hurtful to me, you know. And there are many places in the world where you have to go, you have to wear a mask. Even before COVID, there are places where you do have to wear masks. Mm -hmm. You have to protect yourself just because of the environment being just destroyed in front of your own eyes. I think, yeah, a few things to mention about that. I mean, you mentioned about like cities and and the level of pollution. 
I think when I was younger, I used to always be um, very sensitive to it. I remember when I used to go to London a lot, I used to think it was my hay fever. But you can't be hay fever in London because <laughs> where, where the areas I was going were generally... Maybe there was pollen, but I think what I started to understand was um, that the smog or the smoke um, was having a was having an impact on on my on my body, and I was struggling to breathe. Um, but in terms of other experiences, I want to mention a few that that I've had um, that I think have been very eye opening for me. So the first thing I want to mention is um, during my masters year. My dissertation was actually based on um, changes in temperature um, in in the in the North Pole. Start that again. No, no, no. Uh, you, you keep thinking. Um, so changes changes in temperature in in the North Pole. Um, so we're looking at in the last sort of thirty years worth of data, daily data, looking at um, how the temperature was changing. And more specifically, looking at extreme weather events, extreme temperature events, which do occur naturally. It's not it's not unnatural for extreme temperatures to occur, but it's at how often they occur and how severe they are. Um, and I don't want to get into the polemics of the analysis that I undertook. Um, somebody wants to read it. I'm, I'm happy to share the paper. Inshallah, it's fifty sides long. Um, put the link in the block. <laughs> no, no, actually, there is no link. You gain a physical copy only. Um, you have to save I, the brother. Yeah. I, I believe there's only two physical. Actually, I can, I can, I can provide an e-copy. It's not published anywhere. Um, so, I think the conclusion of it was that um, the temperature in in the North Pole is set to increase. Extreme weather events are meant to increase. Um, their prevalence is meant to increase, and the severity is meant to increase as well. But that's something like you know we're talking about analyses. We're talking about on paper, what I want to discuss are two things now practical with my own eyes. During my master's year again, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I was very lucky with a couple of my friends. Um, we went on a trip to Malta. You might ask why Malta. Honestly, it was just the cheapest ticket that we could find. Uh, students at the time, you know, we not got much money. Um, it's better than some other places. Yeah. So we went to Malta and um, we went to an island just off Malta called Gozo. And there's not much to do in Malta or Gozo, um, but one of the things that was there on, on the island of Gozo was something known as Azure's Window. Now Azure's Window, Catherine, is like this rock formation, and it, it basically goes out into the sea. So it's on, the, it's on the edge of the sea, and the formation sort of goes out into the sea. Very similar to, if somebody knows in the UK, Dirtle Doe. I don't know if you've heard of Dirtle Doe. Um, it's on the southwest coast? Southwest coast of England. Okay. Um, it's basically like a rock formation that looks like a door that goes into the ocean. Really nice place, mashallah. Um, but Azuri's window is very similar. It looks like a window. Um, but I remember when we went there, there was like a restaurant, um, all glass all the way around. We get a really nice view of the ocean, which is the Mediterranean Sea um, and the Azuri's window going into the ocean. I remember seeing a sign when we were there saying, you know, the, the formation is, I want to say, sorry, not unstable, but due to weathering of of the rock formation, it's not suitable for people to be walking on it. So there was a sign, there was basically barriers to stop people from going on it. Um, but a couple of weeks after we came back, there was an article that we found on BBC that Azuri's window had now crashed into the into the sea, no longer existed. So you could say that we were one of the last few people 
to ever see Azuri's window. When it crashed, you mean it like dissolved and just broke down? Yeah, just like it just it didn't dissolve. Like it just broke down. Just broke down. The, the structure of it, whatever it was, due to natural weathering, might be because of acid rain. Um, but I mean, I, I I can't put this down to climate change and climate change only. But um, it was something that we saw and we thought to ourselves. How many things are there in the world that are disappearing every day, that are changing every day, that if we don't see them, we'll never see them again. And the next thing that I want to mention is, I was in Indonesia a couple of years ago, um, and I had the opportunity of going scuba diving, Kasim. And honestly, I'll say to you and anybody that's listening, if you ever, ever, ever get the opportunity of going scuba diving, and um, you can swim, <laughs> yeah? And to be uneven, if you can't swim, do it honestly do it um, because it's one of the most beautiful things that you'll ever see you know sometimes like you watch the experience of scuba divers on tv so you know you get like shows on netflix and things like that um that you might watch and you think to yourself oh it's just a filter you know they're just trying to show it pretty honestly it's not like that well light is one of the most beautiful things that you can ever see the coral reefs the way that they look the vibrancy the colors the different types of fishes that you see and I remember, you know, I was with the um, with the instructor, and obviously you can't talk um, under the ocean, so you use like hand signals to communicate with each other. So he called me at one point, and he said, you know, come over here, look, and he's pointing on the ground at something, and he's saying, look there, um, and I'm looking at him, like I can't see anything. I just got like a confused face in my head. So he goes closer, and he touches the ocean floor, what I thought was the ocean floor. And really, it wasn't the ocean floor. It was like a, a stingray or a manta ray. And it just like got up and swam away. And it was like perfectly camouflaged on the floor. Um, but honestly, like the vibrancy, the colors, the beauty of what's under the ocean, it's amazing. Um, but it's a shame that the impact that we are having on the environment, small changes, subtle changes within um, within the atmosphere, is causing huge changes to occur under under the ocean floor. And the opportunity that I had of seeing the coral reefs and the fishes that, that are there and the life that's there, unfortunately, if we continue down the path that we're going now, very soon, we're not going to be able to see that. Okay? We're not... We won't see it. Because it won't exist. Okay? And this is what we want to get into now. Um, what we have to understand is... The impacts that we are seeing on the earth, it doesn't end here, Kasim. There's more to come. Yeah. Um, and we want to go through those. So one of the things that's going to occur is um, habitats are going to get destroyed. And where habitats will get destroyed, animals will also de- no longer exist. And we're seeing that. Yeah. We take away the ecosystems. We take away the, the places that they live, that they naturally grow, grow up in, breed in, um, live their lives in. We take that away and those animals will disappear. By the 2030s, it's projected that the Amazon rainforest is going to degrade and will essentially turn into like just a flat desert. Well, not a desert, but a flat plain. Um, and we know that the global water cycle is dependent upon the Amazon rainforest. So they will call vast changes inside of the global um, rain cycle. On top of that, we know that the Amazon rainforest holds such species that we as humans don't even know exist. You know, there are species of plants, there are species of of animals, of different insects 
that we don't even know exist that are inside of that forest and they will all get destroyed. The Arctic, whilst we know it as polar ice caps at the moment, um, by the 2030s it's projected that in the summer months the Arctic will be completely ice free. In the summer months there will be no ice there. Whilst there is ice now, it won't be there. And one of the effects that that will have is white and snow and ice, as we know is in that. Once that ice disappears, the ocean generally tends to be a dark colour and absorbs heat. So you will accelerate the process of heat being taken into the atmosphere, heat being brought into the world, which is only going to accelerate everything else. Meaning the temperatures are going to rise. Yep. Um, by the 2040s, it's expected that throughout the north, all the frozen soil that exists, that'll start to thaw and it will start to release methane gas. Now, while CO2, we know it as a, as a bad gas, so to speak, methane is even worse for the environment, um, which again is going to accelerate even more. Um, by the 2050s, we expect that the ocean is going to become acidic um, because of the heat. Coral reefs have already started to bleach. You know, when we talked about the vibrancy of the color of coral reefs, they've already started to bleach. Um, there are areas in the Great Barrier Reef, um, which hundreds and thousands of kilometers worth of Great Barrier Reef have turned white, have bleached and have died. Okay. And by the 2040s, by the 2050s, sorry, all the coral reefs will, will be dead. There will be no coral reefs, um, which will result in the fish population completely crashing because fishes tend to congregate around the shallows, around the coral reefs. Now these are only projections that we've mentioned by the 2050s. That's within most of our lifetimes, yeah. you know. Um, albeit we may be old, but that's within our lifetimes. That's not hundreds of years away. It's not centuries away. That's not millennium away. We're talking within our lifetimes. Next 20, 30 years. And these are huge, huge changes which will impact everything about our life. The way that we live our life, you know, the way that we interact with people. If we continue on the cycle that we're on now, what's going to happen? Unless we make changes. Yeah. Unless we find a more sustainable lifestyle to live. Yeah. And these, these are just proje projections, but usually projections are not very far off from the reality. Mm -hmm. You know. Definitely, I think. <clears throat> essentially, like we said, and to get onto the final topic and to finish off here, we need to talk about like what changes do we need to make. So there are changes that we need to make on a global level. There are changes that we need to make as as a civilization, as a human race. And this essentially involves us stopping deforestation. You know, um, we have to stop cutting down trees. Okay, so how can we do that? So one of the things that we can do is there are actually charities that exist that help in planting trees. Okay. Okay. So people can look into that. Um, look into... and. This is going into a slightly different topic as well. Like, do we only need to donate to Muslim charities? We can maybe get into that into a different podcast. Okay. But um, there are charities that exist in, in helping in planting trees. Um, essentially, you know, there are, there are movements or there are groups of people who will put pressure uh, and who put pressure because you got to bear in mind that these things only happen through numbers. They don't happen on an individual basis. Um, but essentially putting pressure on governments, on countries, which... Um, cause huge deforestation. You got to bear in mind, like these countries are only going to stop if they get hit in the pockets. Yeah, and that's only going to happen on a on an international basis. Not going to happen on an individual no. basis. Okay, um, except for some who will be very very gifted, who will have the political nouns 
who will be leaders of societies um, or who will be very intellectual scientists who will develop um, new technologies that will assist in making our lives more sustainable on an individual level, we aren't able to able to influence governments. Okay, we essentially need to come together as a as a human race and understand that it's it's our responsibility to pre protect our home, to protect the earth for our generation and future generations to come. Essentially, what we have to do is we have to um, phase out the use of fossil fuels where possible. You know, if the electricity that we use within our own homes, within our own lives, the petrol and the diesel that we burn, we need to be more considerate about when and how we use it. You know, if you're not switching off the lights when you're not using them, you really need to start mm. switching lights off when you're not using them. Just to save yourself some money. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> first, um, then there, are, there are many other things that we can do within like our own home lives. Um, but essentially, we, where we have the opportunity to, I think one of the other things that we can do is most um, gas and electric companies offer a green alternative where the, the fuel that's being used to power your own home comes from 100% renewable energy. Um, and ideally, they might be a bit more pricier, but for those of us that can afford it, we really need to switch to these kind of alternatives. Um, you know, an example of countrywide change has been Morocco. And at the turn of the century, they relied entirely upon imported coal to come into the country and power the country. Whereas now, they generate 40% of their electrical needs through solar farms. And in fact, Morocco has the largest solar farm in the world. Okay, um, and that's that's a sign of a country. And you know, Muslim, Morocco is normally um, seen as a Muslim country. Yeah. And we need to take steps forward. You know. Um, we need to be proactive about this kind of thing. Our people, our countries, we need to step up um, and try to be the forerunners in looking after the world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us as khalifas, has made us as ambassadors on this earth, you know, to protect it, to look after it. Um, and I think this is this is the main thing. The other thing that we can do as well on an individual basis is that our banks and our pension schemes are essentially paying into coal companies, gas companies, you know, companies like Shell or, you know, I don't want to go into names here, but companies that burn fossil fuel and yeah. are known for it. If you've got a pension scheme which is investing in such companies or you yourself are investing or your banks are investing, then really you need to, you need to either switch your pension scheme, change your banks um, or do something about that, you know, so that these companies aren't being funded by us. And we need to try our best to teach our children, to teach our younger generation about the living world and the na and nature that's around us, you know, take your take yourselves, <laughs> you uh, us as adults, um, with our children or with our friends, we go and see the natural world, you know, go see the lakes that are there, go see the rivers, go see the mountains, go see the beautiful trees that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has created, go see nature at different times of the year, um, go on nature walks. There's caves that are close by that we can go see as well. Um, you know, go see the stars in the night. How many of us have actually been out and been stargazing? You know, how many of us have seen the beauty of the stars? And I think these are the things that we need to look at. And when we see them and we see that nature is changing, then it has an impact on us and inshallah we'll, we'll make changes. And one of the, I think one of the things that I want to end on, um, maybe you have something else, but I'll end on this, um, is about littering. 
you know, and um, it's not beneath us. It's not below your dignity. It doesn't make you a less of a human. And it shouldn't hurt your pride that if you have rubbish with you, that you wait until you find the nearest bin and you dispose of it, okay, rather than throwing it. It's disgusting to see people in our localities just throwing litter around like it, like it's nothing. You know, we know that plastics are a huge influence on society. We really need to try and be careful about the way that we use plastic, um, monitor our use of plastic. And yes, we have to use it, um, but we try to limit as best as we can um, to the best of our ability. And, you know, there are many people within our communities, within our society who are trying to help. You know, we've seen a massive drive within our own areas of people litter picking. And honestly, I like, I tip my hat off to these people. And, you know, I remember, you know, last, a few weeks ago, regularly there was a brother. Um, one thing is doing it like on a, on a collective basis, but we know there was a brother that was coming like nine o'clock in the morning, litter picking in our local parks, um, on our local football pitch by himself. It's, honestly, like I, I tip my hat off to this brother that you got dedication to come on a Saturday morning just to pick litter. But he shouldn't need to do that. No. And there shouldn't be groups of people that need to do that. We as a human race, we as people, should understand the impact that we are having and pick up our own litter. And the thing that's attached with this is the push for recycling as well. You know, recently, within the last year or so, um, where we live, our council have changed our recycling strategy where previously we only used to have one recycling bin in which all recyclable materials would be put in that one bin and waste would go into another bin. The council has now decided to split the recycling into two separate bins. And this is a good initiative. And it's unfortunate that many of our own people, they see this as something bad because it interrupts their convenience. It's another headache. When, yeah, when realistically we have to understand that a single bin for every single recyclable material doesn't work. There's not somebody that, get paid, that gets paid to split plastics from glass, to split cardboard from glass and, and plastics, you know. We need to do this on an individual house-by-house house level. Then these things will get recycled. Otherwise, I don't, I don't know the truth, but I'm sure that if everything is put into one bin, I'm sure most of it doesn't actually get recycled, okay. Um, so I think that's what I want to end with. Try to recycle as best we can. Uh, please don't litter, please look after the environments that you live in, the environments that you work in, the places that you visit. Um, take care of, of what's around us and try to teach those who, who are under you, you know, like your, your family, uh, your nieces and nephews, your children, uh, whoever they may be. Um, teach them about nature, show them nature. You know, it's not, sometimes it's, and we always, I think we said this in the introduction, talk is cheap, yeah. we need action. Um, but we need to see see the beauty of nature and then inshallah um, take action. Is there anything else that you want to end on? So it's just reinforcing that point of uh, having some pride in the community that you live in, in the environment that you live, looking after your local areas, your local streets. You know, just think if somebody else was to come from the outside and they were to come to your area, would they feel happy or would they feel welcome into your area or would you feel embarrassed walking them through mm-hmm. and I'll be honest like in our areas I feel embarrassed walking people through from outside why because they just have a lot of rubbish it has a lot of litter mm-hmm. and it just shows the attitude of the people who live there showing that they don't care mm-hmm. that's the that's the honest attitude that you know what we don't care uh, we don't really care about this country we don't care the blessings that we have here 
I think that's, that's quite sad and all, but like mm-hmm. as you said, you know, just becoming aware, you know, going out you know, for hikes, you know, we, we go out for hikes, go walking, go appreciate nature, you know, just getting out there. People might think, oh, it's funny, it's not. You know, once you go out there, you start to appreciate the thing which Allah SWT has created, you know. I think it's something Yasin has said, you know, just appreciate what we have and just do our best, you know, do whatever we can. Inshallah, leave the rest of Allah SWT. But we have to take our step first. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, thank you very much for listening to today's episode. Um, we yeah. hope you enjoyed listening and inshallah take some take some benefit away from this particular episode. The next episode inshallah we're talking about Muslims and the relationship with the with the Arabic language, inshallah. Um, so that's going to be an interesting episode, inshallah. Um, until then, inshallah we'll see you then. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.